Today's podcast is our last of the presidential addresses. It's the presidential address from AUA 2019, Urologic Research, Why It's So Important, presented by Dr. Robert Flanagan. Thank you all. Thank you, Madoz, for a great introduction. I love being called Poppy, by the way. Uh, I'm so proud, and, but also so very humbled to be able to give this presidential lecture today uh, in front of my family and friends and hopefully a lot of colleagues in urology that I've met in my travels with the AUA from around the world. It's also special to be able to give this talk here in Chicago, which is my adopted home, place where I've lived and worked for the vast majority of my life. When I thought about the topic that I might discuss, uh, I thought of many different things, but decided to talk about urologic research and why it's so important to all of us. Of course, when you have a chance to make a talk like this in your career, it makes you think about your roots. I was born in Lima, Ohio, a small town in the northwestern part of that state. Uh, and I, my thoughts went back to my family, my friends, the schools that I attended, and the activities I was involved with, particularly in sports. My brother and I were very fortunate to have uh, excellent parents who taught us many things, including the value of hard work, that we could aspire to a level of education that was never possible for them, and that they gave us our, their complete love. Uh, we, we knew that because we witnessed their love for each other and their love for us as their children. I never dreamed at all that I would ever travel so many pathways in my life and have the opportunity to be here today speaking to you. I did dream, like most of the boys in my neighborhood, of be, becoming a great athlete, maybe playing basketball for Ohio State or Notre Dame, and in my wildest dreams, for the Boston Celtics. <laughs> well, most of you who know me and are laughing right now realize that that dream did not come completely true. But I do know and firmly believe that athletics, especially team sports, played a major part in my life and helped me become what I am today. It taught me the value of working hard to become better at whatever you do, and that there is no I in team. And I hope during my life I've tried to convey and through my activities the importance of team efforts in accomplishing everything that we try to accomplish. The things I want to discuss with you today are the AUA and what makes it so great, at least in my mind, the AUA mission and what makes me most proud, and research, why I love it so much, a proposed 10-step, not-so-easy-but-doable research plan for success, and how you can help the AUA and the Urologic Care Foundation support research. I think the things that make the AUA great are its history, its leadership, its staff, its volunteers, and its mission. The AUA is 117 years old this year. It has influenced the urologic care far beyond the Americas throughout the entire world. I hope that all of you at some point get a chance to visit our headquarters just outside of Baltimore, Maryland, which houses 165 people working very hard for you every day but also houses on a wonderful history museum which pays tribute to the people and the instrumentation and equipment that have made urology a very special field. The leadership of the AUA, past and present, has been characterized by its devotion to the AUA and to urology. And I've been very, very fortunate to work within a tremendous board of directors this year uh, uh, which, who are all dedicated, thoughtful, and very hardworking. 
I want to single out one particular person uh, who introduced me a minute ago, Dr. Manoj Manga, who was our AUA secretary. I think all of you who know the organization realize that this is the most difficult and time-consuming job in our organization, and I wanted to thank Manoj for all of his very hard work in this area. The staff of the AUA is really amazing. Uh, led by, Dr., uh, by Mike, Mike Shepard, who is our CEO and their, his executive team, to a person they're all dedicated and knowledgeable, and what's really amazing, always helpful. What really makes the AUA, however, is its volunteers. The AUA could not achieve even a small percentage of what it does without the efforts of its countless volunteers who serve on our board committees and councils and in many other positions within the organization, and we all need to thank them so very much. The AUA's mission is to promote the highest standards of urologic clinical care through education, research, and the formulation of health policy. We as the AUA Board of Directors uh, measure everything we do in terms of its mission. Naturally, all of us come from different positions and different practices, etc., and we all have different perspectives on the things that bring us the most gratification among all the many things that the AUA does. But I think we all must remember that it's critical for us to remain totally undivided in our efforts to support the AUA's mission and to advocate for all uh, rather than a single part of our organization. I like to think of the, of the uh, structure of the AUA by looking at three pillars representing education, research, and health policy. And I, I can't convey to you how much the AUA does each and every day uh, for your benefit in all of these different areas. What does, what are the, when you look at the AUA mission, what makes me personally most proud? Uh, considering education, I'm very proud of the development of the core curriculum and the AUA University, and in health policy, the development of the Global Philanthropic Committee. About 12 years ago, the, about 30 volunteers came together to create the core curriculum for urology, which is an educational document defined to define the breadth and depth of our field. I can never thank uh, Loria Bancase, the staff member who worked with us too much because she helped all of this uh, come, to, come to fruition. We all thought that perhaps the core curriculum would be the tip of an iceberg and that much more would form underneath, and in fact that's come to, to pass with the development of the AUA University under the influence of so many of you in this room. This is the premier educational tool in the world today. The Global Philanthropic Committee, again, was a team effort where the American Urologic Association came together with the European Urologic Asso Association of Urology, the International Continent Society, and the Society Internationale de Urology, initially to fund two uh, educational uh, programs in Sub-Saharan Africa, in Senegal and Nigeria. These programs were very, very successful and have been well sustained. And now the, the GPC is funding programs in Haiti, Tanzania, Sudan, with special projects in Jamaica and Mali. The monies that come from these organizations fund educational programs in these areas and also allow for the procurement of new equipment, which really improves the educational experience. In terms of research, what makes me proud, uh, most proud is the enhanced funding for urologic research that the AUA has been able to achieve. I, like most of you in this audience, I'm a clinical urologist primarily. I love taking care of patients. I've loved being in the operating room and doing surgery. But I've always realized that research and innovation is what keeps our field vibrant 
And when I was AUA secretary, we, co uh, we coined the term uh, AUA, excuse me, today's research is tomorrow's practice. When I was thinking about this topic, I started to think a little bit about my own career, and I thought to put together uh, notes about a research plan for success, which again I entitled 10 Not So Easy But Doable Steps. I know that this is not the only way to build a research career, and in many ways I'm preaching to the choir because many of you are excellent researchers, uh, but hopefully this plan, plan will be available and helpful to at least some of you. The 10 steps that I identified were first to identify people and places that can set the stage for you in your career, to identify role models, to look for research questions, always asking why, and thinking of ways to answer these questions. Embrace clinical research opportunities that you might encounter. Sustain and find and sustain basic research collaborations. Learn how to write successful grants. Be persistent and focused. Build and sustain disease condition multidisciplinary research teams. Educate others, especially our students. And surround yourself always with excellence. I wanted to illustrate these steps by referring to some of the uh, things that have happened in my career. Uh, which also gives me the opportunity to thank uh, many people who have contributed uh, to my career. First of all, in setting the stage for my career, there were two people that were most important. Dr. Lester Persky uh, offered me a position in his urology training program at Case Western Reserve, and along with his fellow faculty and a wonderful group of residents taught me how to be a urologist. Dr. Bill McRoberts offered me my first academic position at the University of Kentucky after my military time, and taught me many, many lessons, including how you could structure an excellent urologic training program and many life, life lessons to boot. But no, step number two, identifying role models. This was actually pretty easy for me at Case Western because Elroy Kush, Jean de Kernia, and Scott McDougall, and Mark Soloway were all my chief residents while I was a resident in the, in the program. They, of course, went on to having fantastic careers in academic urology, but I, even then, I recognized that I wanted to be like them and to emulate them as much as I could. And looking for research questions and trying to figure out how to answer them, Jean de Kernian had asked me to work with him in writing a paper about palliative nephrectomy, taking out the kidney in patients with metastatic disease who were having symptoms from the primary. And we noticed when in reviewing the results that they were terrible. But and many of the patients never actually even left the hospital. But we also noticed that a minority of patients actually did better than might be expected. So I asked the question, why is this happening, and how could we study it? It took several years to get to the point where we proposed a study of cytoreductive nephrectomy to the Southwest Oncology Group, and this would be the first surgical question ever studied by that group. As you may probably all know, and those of you who are urologists in the audience know, this paper and this work uh, showed a positive result in the sense that people who had their kidney taken out in the sense in the presence of metastatic disease, particularly if they were of good performance status, uh, had an increased survivorship. So this particular trial influenced how we have managed since that time selected patients with metastatic renal cell cancer over the past couple of decades. Whether it's going to continue to do so obviously depends on the development of more active and effective systemic agents and this still remains to be seen. But it also is, I think, an important point, to me at least. Research is a series of steps. Each step is meant to move us forward, but each step is rarely an end unto itself. Step number four, embrace clinical research. 
as I told you, I was working with SWOG uh, for the cytoreductive nephrectomy trial, and Dr. David Crawford, who was the head of our GU committee, asked me to head up the renal cell subcommittee. This allowed me to work with renal cell researchers around the world in developing new uh, trials to combat this terrible disease. Back home at Loyola, uh, we were given an NIH grant to study Dr. Steve Rosenberg's work with interleukin-2, and Dr. Rich Fisher, the head of our cancer center, Joe Clark, a medical oncologist, and we, a urologist, worked very hard uh, to study this, uh, to make this, uh, uh, this research work come to, come to pass. It obviously was not as successful as we wanted, but it did give rise to the creation of a cytokine working group, which continued to study cytokines in renal cell cancer. I've always believed in step five, finding and sustaining basic research collaborations, that it's very difficult for us as clinicians to do this by ourselves, and we need to have strong collaborative researchers who are generally working in the lab the vast majority of their time. I was very lucky at the University of Kentucky to uh, meet and have uh, work with uh, the, uh, Ed Pavlik, uh, where, who, with whom we studied cell surface and hormone receptors. When I came to Loyola, I worked with Vince Shanky in the lab for many, many years uh, studying genetic heterogeneity, and then was able to hire two people from the NIH, Dr. Eugene Kwan and Dr. Gopal Gupta, with whom we studied tumor immunology, urethral, urethelial exosomes, and other things. Number six, learn how to write a successful grant. This is a tough thing, and it's not as easy as one might suggest. There are a lot of uh, ways of learning this, including this, mo this uh, module produced by the American Urologic Association and meetings that the American Urologic Association has, which bring together seasoned researchers with those trying to build a research career. My mes main message is don't be afraid to learn from successful researchers or to talk with grant administrators from the research organization you wish to work with because they really do want to help. Step number seven, be persistent. It's a tough business being a researcher. There are many different setback setbacks and roadblocks. It's important to stay focused and not to get scattered. I believe that uh, research grant fund funding is a dialogue, a constant communication. It's important to listen, important to amass pilot data, and to strengthen your research team. Remember, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Another thing which we developed at Loyola and which I think is very important is to build a research team for clinical research. This particular one, as you can see uh, over the years, has involved many urologists, medical oncologists, and pathologists, and has allowed us to study many questions regarding renal cell cancer from this diagnosis, prognosis, and treatment. Step number nine, educate others. I don't believe there can be any greater joy in watching the accomplishment than in watching the accomplishments of your students and mentees, uh, even more so than the witnessing your own. But it is important to be a good mentor and to have an educational plan. At Loyola, we teach all of our residents to be great surgical and medical urologists, but we also provide them with the tools through research to pursue fellowships and academic careers if they wish. And step number 10, surround yourself with excellence. Uh, I'm so happy that I've been able to work with this group of people and others over the years who are dedicated to education, clinical care, and even research in many different areas. We, uh, 20 years ago, set up a, a one-year research program as part of our residency. Uh, we didn't know how that would turn out, but I have, I'm happy to say that a third of our residents since that time have not only pursued initially uh, academic urology, but have uh, stayed in academic urology for the remainder of their careers. So the last part of my, of my talk, and perhaps the most important, is to answer what research means and what we can all do to help build research within urology. 
And the answer is simply to support the AUA and the Urology Care Foundation. These two organizations work together. The Urology, uh, Urology Care Foundation raises money for research, and it's the repository for all of these funds. The AUA administers the grant awards and scholarships in partnership with the recipient institutions. The AUA has, uh, has contributed significantly to the Urology Care Foundation in order to build research endowments, as have all eight of the Urology AUA sections and many urology subspecialty societies and other individuals and groups. The people you see below, Ari Olume, the Research Council Chair, Carolyn Best, the Director of Research, and Harris Negler, the President of the Urology Care Foundation, are very special people in this regard. So what has all this met? Over the years, what has been the product of this? Over 750 scholarships and awards have been awarded, uh, totaling nearly $30 million. Last year alone, over $1.5 million was awarded, but we need to do more. These research programs that we support are everything from medical school, medical student uh, fellowships, to residency awards, to postgraduate and fellow awards, and finally awards to established investigators for salary support to keep their, their aspirations going, and, and this is considered the rising stars program in urology. What's been the result of this? A, a survey of the, of the people who participated uh, found these results. Over 50% are tenured professors, 34% hold endowed chairs, over 50% have, have developed department leadership positions and have served on Urology Society executive boards. This was amazing to me. The awardees reported that on average, three funded subsequent grants and 24 published manuscripts were directly or indirectly related to their AUA funded research. And 94% of the respondents agreed or strongly agreed that their awards were important catalysts in jumpstarting their research careers. Who, did, who received these awards? 73% were either MDs or MD-PhDs, and 27% PhDs working in urology. Of the physicians, 85% remain in academic practice and 15% in community practice. But what's really astounding to me is that 92% of these people are still involved with research when, if they're in academics, and 52% in, in the community setting are still involved with research. So why should we all help in this regard? There are only limited sources for funding for urologic research from the federal, state, other societies, foundations, and industries. We know that there are gaps in funding uh, which are related to priorities of these different organizations, and, but they are important gaps to us in urology. I think it's clear that new discoveries critical for urologic practice would absolutely not be where they are now without the support of our foundation in the past. And it will take all of us working together to meet the needs of future generations of patients and their families. Doing the math a little bit, it takes $1.5 million in an endowment to create a $40,000 annual grant that can be awarded in per perpetuity. If matching funds, when matching funds occur from the researchers' institutions, which they do routinely, that brings the researcher $80,000 per year for their laboratories. It takes 1,500 of you, probably the number in this room, giving $1,000 to create one new Urologic Care Foundation grant. So our role is to encourage people to give to this, but also to find donors uh, and, and organizations who are also willing to help. The Urologic Care Foundation has recently created a new fund called the Visionary Fund, which is designed to receive smaller grants. So at the same time that we're billing toward permanent endowments, these grants can be used at an annual basis to support research programs that are going well 
and as bridging funds uh, for the future. So please think of giving to the Urology Care Foundation. Give of your time, give of your resources. What you are building is actually the future of urologic care. I want to stop by thanking, of course, my beautiful and wonderful wife, Joan, who has been a tremendous, a tremendous partner of me all the years we've been together, and as I always describe her, is a force of nature. Uh, I love her, of course, so very much. I also love, of course, my family, who are in the front row here, my daughter Nancy and her husband Darren, and Anna and Audrey, who I call the A-team, uh, and my son Charlie and Stacy, his wife Stacy and Charlie, Henry, and uh, Maisie, who are basically our hockey team, all of them playing hockey. I think you've understood from this talk, hopefully, that teams are important to me. I've been involved with teams since playing starting basketball in the fourth grade. But I think, uh, obviously, the teams that have been most important to me have been the team at Loyola, the AUA team, and, of course, my family. So I want to thank all of you in the audience who have been supportive to me during my career and supportive of urology, and especially during this time as AUA president. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can't tell you, can't tell you how appreciative I am of all that you've meant for me, so thank you very, very much.